welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we are discussing racial conflict and resolution. Last week we had the first part of this interview on the topic of pulling the grace card. This week we're going to examine the competing strategies for progress and the racial divide in our country and the bearing that the gospel of Jesus has on both sides of the controversy. I have a special guest back with me this week. Eric Kalinga is with me, and he's a soccer coach, mentor, father of three, star exponent columnist, and the husband and pastor of the congregation at his village. He was born in the Congo and raised in South Africa, and he moved to Culpeper 19 years ago. And I also have my precious friend Tabitha Haynes, who's a mutual singer-songwriter. She loves to write songs, too, and she serves on the Seeing Deep ministry team with me. So welcome back, you guys. Thank you for having us again. Oh, it's such a joy, and I'm so grateful we can talk about these things. So I think there's a defensiveness on both sides that I've seen on social media. Uh, Poor arguments make either side angry and are focused on the wrong thing. There's an argument that racial discrimination happens to every race. Let's talk about that for a minute. One common one is that Racism is not defined by one color. Every race has been subjugated to another race at some time or another. Jewish people experienced racism. Japanese experienced racism in this country in the wake of World War II. Chinese experienced racism in the pioneer age when they were conscripted to do railroad building. Irish were discriminated against, especially in New York when they first came to America. Indians were discriminated against. Okay, so while this is true, the problem with this statement is it almost dismisses the reality or significance of racism going on right now. You know, it's it's past tense, a lot of that. And we still, I don't think there's a lot of racism toward Irish people today. I don't you know. I could be wrong. I'm, I, I'm Irish. <laughs> I don't know. But there is there a legitimacy to this statement? I mean, there are likely people groups who feel they are discriminated against and no one speaks up in their defense. So, Eric, what would you say to this argument that all races experience racism on some level? Uh, I think it is true. I think it is uh, certainly a true statement that uh, uh, we, when you think about racism, it, it is simply uh, prejudice with power. Mm. You know, that's what, that's what it is. You know, so you have pre- prejudice against someone, but you add power to that, you know, so that you know, become that. So the the group that is prejudiced against or towards a certain group, if they have more power, then they are uh, oppressing the others. When you think about the apartheid in South Africa, it was that. Mm-hmm. It was a prejudice with power, that apartheid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, then the... And again, going back to what we said earlier in, in your previous episode, is this, that the complexity of the United States is mm. we add slavery. Yes. Uh, so in that, when you devalue human life, the only way yes. I think a person could, even though slavery started as an economic transaction, mm-hmm. but then it became where they devalue human life. So now we have a problem. We have a different kind of set of problems now here. Yes. So that makes this one different. Um, but and again, when you think about the the workers, the Chinese in, in a railroad track, the Indians, American Indians in a railroad track. When you think about all that, 
it's definitely you are prejudiced toward, the, prejudiced toward a certain group and then you want to oppress them for your yes. own self-benefit. Yes. Mm-hmm. So everybody in some form have felt that even people of the same color have oppressed each other. Yes. You know, so to me, I think, and again, it goes down to the root is much deeper. A sin that is boiling on the inside of us mm-hmm. to devalue another human life. Yes. If I see you as made in the image of God, there's no way I could treat you less than. Yes. When I do that, is I take the, your identity and I say you're no longer human. Mm-hmm. Then I treat you as an animal. That's when, when Jesus, when when God said to Adam and Noah the same thing, or oh, have dominion. That means. I have dominion over lions. I can have dominion over you because you're no longer made in the image of God. I took that identity from you. Yes. So that makes this Mm. one. Yeah, you're really hitting it. Yeah. You're just hitting to the meat of it. So how about you, Tabitha? You know, you've had some stories that you've experienced. Yeah, there was one particular story where one time I got pulled over and I was speeding, and I was telling Denise <laughs> earlier, it, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are. A yellow foot, a black foot, a white foot, we can all press on that pedal and go too fast. And so I was in the wrong. But I remember this particular officer, he looked at me, and he said, what are you, Hispanic or something? Hmm. And I just remember in that moment, because that was really the only time I remembered. And I can be very oblivious to when people say things like that to me. I can, I can just yeah. be that way. But that I could, I could understand what he was saying. Yeah. And I remember looking at him, and I stood up straight, <laughs> and I, I said, I can be anything that I want to be. <laughs> and he said, get in my car. And so I got in his car. I was, you know, but I just remembered in that moment, just like, wow, that was totally irrelevant to me speeding. Right. You know, and so how people feel, it usually it's not irrelevant to yeah. anything. It doesn't have anything to do with it. I got a ticket. It didn't matter. And so I think that probably happens now, too. You're basing people, what they look like, how they act like, and it probably doesn't even matter I think in that it was situation. The- yeah, I think it was the point three two six part of the white person of you that was pushing that pedal. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That Puerto Rican side has some has a little something in there. But you know, just and I'm not saying that I I understand. It's not even about yeah. that, but it happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody could stand up in their life and say at some point. Somebody did something yes. that they shouldn't have done. And devalued. People, yes, yeah. devalued. And, you know, we've all felt yeah. that. And But more importantly, I just have to say this real quick, is that when I think about it, Jesus yeah. took it far yes. worse. Yes, he did. His own people beat yes. him and mm-hmm. kept... I just... Anything compared to that, what is that? What is my ticket right. compared to the blood of Jesus and Jesus being ripped to, <laughs> ripped to shed, shreds yeah. because mm-hmm. of me? And he chose that suffering. And he chose it. But we're all about, I don't want, nobody's going to say nothing yeah. about me, you know. Mm-hmm. But when we think about the genocide in our country right now, killing millions of babies because we're not valuing their life. So I think there is this valuing of life or devaluing of life mm-hmm. that is all about power and all about um, 
choosing to say someone's identity isn't as good as another person's identity. And that's the sin of man. You know, that's sin. It's wrong. And I will say, just before you go, when I went to court that day for that ticket, everybody that that police officer, who's a white police officer, everybody that he had pulled over, they were all Spanish. So I stood in a line of Spanish people, and one of the men was like, when I tried to hand him my license, he knocked my wallet out of my hands. Oh, gosh. And it just... It just, I mean, it just broke my heart. And I'm yeah. like, wow. But that person, there's something, that's him. Yeah. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say every police officer is like that because one was. Right. And I'm not going to exactly. say I'm less than because that happened to me either. So I'm just really thankful that I didn't. Because I could. You could let that get angry and I could have been like every police officer that ever pulls me over they're gonna get it you know (laughs) I'm really gonna just but so I'm thankful that it you can have a mindset you can have a heart set and you can have a mouth yes. you know, and choose. So good, you guys. Well, so another problem is having the broad brush stroke, I would call it error. Uh, has there been racial injustice in an unjust world? Yes. Has there been favoritism, such as white privilege in an unjust world? Yes. We all have our own burdens and blessings that we are dealt, but broad brush strokes pitting races against one another are not helpful. So certain instances and segments of history and portions of the population, the answer is yes, but it's incorrect to broad brush and stereotype everybody's situation or convictions or say that they are racist in every situation. For instance, like you were saying, police officers, you can't say all police officers are bad now. You know, I don't know what the percentage is or, you know, in every occupation you have people who are sinful and how they carry out their duties, you know? Yeah, he, Pastor Kalinga said something, I don't know if you can repeat it, this morning when you were preaching, you said something about we create um, mind, we create these things to protect us. The, Do you remember uh, that? That's the perfect example. Yeah, the, I could have created what yeah, you were talking about. I think most of us, the stereotype um, within our, the way our makeup, you know, the way we, uh, we have a tendency, because the, the, the brain is designed to protect us. That's how it's designed. Whatever it's going to do right. is to keep me safe. Mm-hmm. The reaction in here is to, to keep me safe. Some of them are subconsciously done. So if someone raises their hand trying to swing, I won't think twice by wanting right. to project and protect myself. And some of us, we are trained based upon how you are raised. If, um, if your home has a certain kind of uh, mechanism in terms of how we deal with issues. Uh, for some people, protection is yelling back. Mm-hmm. So automatically, you're talking. They start yelling. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> I just it was just yeah. a little disagreement about all that he or she is doing. Going back to the protective mechanism. This is how I protect myself. So we train that way. So we don't know. So when we're handling and dealing with each other, we stereotype them and we react based upon the way we already been raised. So we have to be intentional in saying to ourselves, Holy Spirit, literally, Holy Spirit, take over. Because if you leave it up to Eric Kalinga, it will be something different. Mm-hmm. So Holy Spirit, you take over. Here. You yes. see what I'm saying? <laughs> you are welcome here. Yeah. When you look at her situation, get pulled over. Yeah. Another person who, if they were trained differently, they had a different protective mechanism, yell back 
that's how we yeah. deal with mm-hmm. officers. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing as a, as, a, as a result of the issues, I've literally heard a parent telling a kid, saying, oh, you may be the next one. You better learn how to behave yourself. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what you, what you tell to your kid. Right. No, he or she is not going to be the next one. Yeah. I look at my son and my, my son is black. My mix. I look at him and say, how would you? He said, I don't even think about it. I said, good. Don't think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to think that someone is out to get me. Right, right. Then you mm-hmm. set your brain up to thinking, I got to protect myself. And then you stereotype every officer going to pull you. Yeah. You put them in that block because of your defensive mechanism that was pre-set in your DNA, in your system by your parent, oh. your mother, or somebody. Right. And the real enemy is Satan operating, you know, in all of this. Yeah, it was just making me think how he said, you know, we are, it happens, it comes from the home. Mm-hmm. And how cool it just clicked in that the house of God gets to be that mechanism that switches yes. the thinking mm-hmm. for people. Amen. So, you know, I never thought about that. So thank you for saying mm-hmm. that the way we act is a reflection of our home life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we have to recognize stereotypes that we do because I, you know, again, growing up in a Hispanic culture and going through what I went through definitely impacted me. And I realized I had to let go of feelings that I had. And I, I didn't, wasn't recognizing that until years later. I was like, wait a minute, what's that thought there? You know, because when I became a Christian at 19, then the Lord shows you things. But like you said, a lot of people don't know God, and they're going around with these stereotypes. This is what they go through. Someone of whatever race hurt them one time, and so you can stereotype. You know, you know Denise, even those who know God, yeah. this the person I was mm. referring to is a Christian. Mm. And in fact, it's a she, Christian, well-known, knows God, quotes the scripture, yeah. but yet thinking that my son will be next. That's mm. not true, right. necessarily, because what you are implanting is sort of teaching your son that your son that with God on your side, you're not gonna be next. You're gonna show Christ to that person. Yeah, you are gonna be the Jesus of that person. I share an example with the church just uh, happened yesterday. I was with my family out at the one park in Sta- in Stafford County. And this police officer was doing his job. People, we were all parking literally almost on the road, blocking traffic. He's coming to say, hey, move your vehicle, move your vehicle. There was a, a black gentleman, big guy. Uh, you know, I don't know what he said to I don't know what he said to the police officer earlier. Mm-hmm. You could see there was like tension. The guy was upset. I was frustrated. I had to get up from yeah. where I was to go move my vehicle. So he's like, yeah. come on, it's annoying a little bit. Leave people alone, that kind of the, the mindset. I wasn't upset, but just frustrated. Not enough to where I would say something to anybody, you know. But this guy has said something to the police officer. Of course, he was he, he was upset. And he pulled over, got out of his, his vehicle, went to this guy to tell him that that was not cool, whatever it gets to be. You could see that th- this guy was like, did you really come to me again? You could see this black guy was, was about to, to really start. So then I was about mm-hmm. to say, this is not my business, let me go. Yeah. And I find myself... Mm saying this to me reconciliation is a spirit that God has given me mm-hmm. and I have to operate in that at any given point I turn around mm-hmm. and I went back to the police officer and I say sir can I talk to you for a second I say hey I'm not, I'm not upset with you so I want you to know that I'm not mad you're doing your job 
and I want you to just know I'm a minister, so you know, we cool, and I'm praying for you. Uh, I just want you to know beautiful. that. The guy took a deep breath, literally sitting like this. He was so uptight. He's like, what are you? Literally, he could see like, you got to bother me again. Yeah. And you could see he was like, <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He chilled. He said, thank you. Yeah. I said, hey, you, you continue to do your job. Wow. I went back. That's humility, too. Yeah. You have to be willing to be under authority. And this is what's hard when authority's been abused. You know, it takes faith. But like you said, if that if that sister is operating under the world system and saying, I'm now going to give and subscribe uh-huh. to this fear instead of the fear of God, you know, then we perpetuate this Exactly problem. right. The, 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 the reconciliation can never be attained without the risk of being, yes. being hurt, altercised, mm-hmm. beat up, whatever the case may be. Jesus, when he went to the well with the woman, he ran the risk mm. because he sent all the disciples in. He was with this woman, mm. the enemy, by himself. Yeah. He ran the risk. Mm-hmm. Paul, every time he engaged with the ministers of the Gentile, ran the risk. Yeah. Peter, when, even though he didn't want it, when he went to the house of Cornelius the centurion, he ran the risk. He didn't want to go to talk to this Gentile person. Yeah. He ran the risk. So in engaging into this ministry of reconciliation, which, by the way, I felt it is a spirit you're going to have upon you. you if, unless you get that spirit of God on you to understand the magnitude of this and the work that needs to be done, then your fear is no longer in front of you. Yeah. Now you're just stepping because you want to see what? Peace, because if Jesus Christ shows up, peace came in. That guy received peace in that moment. Mm. And I love in the midst of yeah. racism. Yes. I love, I love hearing you and watching what you're doing in this season. Because every time somebody says race, you say reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. Every time, <laughs> okay. let's talk about race reconciliation. <laughs> I'm like, amen. Like that's so the good. answer. So you gotta needed. get above it yeah. to fix it. You can't yeah. get under it, or you're gonna get smushed by well, it. Satan's using the word race. Yes. Big time. Oh, it's so divide, and you know, and it's it's so Satan working and operating in these people. It's a spiritual matter. Yes. yes. Um, but it's easy for people just to continue to bring it back to mm-hmm. being about ethnicity. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about repercussions a little bit. We're seeing some of that. I, I don't watch much news, I'll confess. <laughs> but when I do turn it on, it's 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 hard to watch. You know, that racist label is ultimately shaming. People are afraid to say anything lest they be branded as being racist if they do not subscribe to the stereotype. And, and we've talked about there's only one race, one human race. We've already shared scriptures understanding and underscoring this fact. But the repercussions for the sin of racism are creating another huge problem. Discrimination against cops. We talked a little bit about that. Reform applies to all races and occupations, though. Police force is not the only vocational organization that has corruption within it. Every race has corruption. The problem is sin. Sin corrupts us all. But what is the solution to this mess you know, people are, it's almost like you can't say anything to defend the cops, you know, but then what What would it be like to not have any cops? Did you ever experience that in Congo? I, I tell the people this unashamedly. I think for me, I, I was um, chatting with a gentleman who believes in the Second Amendment. And I looked at him. He's a white gentleman, very uh, re- respected person. And I said to him, I say, I believe in the Second Amendment. 
I've got guns in my house. You know, I have a concealed carry weapon, and I'm not ashamed of that. You right. know, and I'm black. By the way, just in case you didn't know, I'm black. You know? I can't believe it. I know. I never knew. Oh my goodness, <laughs> so I was telling him that. So the reality is this: um, I have the, the issue is not so much I don't believe in the Second Amendment because I know a society, and literally, I remember being ten years old in, in 1982 in 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 Congo. There was a civil war. And literally ducking down, bullet going through. Okay, so the reality is this, and I also know societies in Africa where, because most country, most most places in Africa, you, you're not allowed to have guns. Wow. Okay, so it's a, a soldier, a quote unquote, if there is a police, they will come and rob you if they want to, if if they don't wow. get paid, mm-hmm. they will come. People will come at night and rob you. So the reality is this. Why is it that people don't rob each other now here? Because you don't know what is in that house. Mm. So they think twice. (laughs) The person in the home may have a much bigger gun than what you have. So you think twice about going to break in someone's home. So to me, it brings a sense of stability. We need, number one, I think, to make sure that we don't lose what God has given us, you know, what this country has, has, um, has designed. And I also understand this there has to be some sense of following the law yeah even in the scripture clearly said yes. obey the law obey the, the the government that is at hand jesus said give to caesar what belongs to caesar all that is time and time again we need to honor the king clearly in the scripture honor the king the problem we having with our society and again i'm tracing it back to home mm-hmm. We don't teach our own kids how to respect our parents. Yes, yeah. If your child does not respect you, literally, you can mark my word, I've done mentoring and coaching for a long time for teenagers. Every kid I've worked with who has been at risk have come from home, a house or a home where they don't respect their parents. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, either single parents or if they are both parents, they don't mean that the kid is not really does not care about any of them so how do we can we live without um, authority or government no we cannot we need to to learn to live under authority we need Mm, to live we need to learn to respect authority especially as christians if you know the bible we Mm -hmm. we have uh the 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 obligation now it doesn't matter whether i agree with that person in power it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just think about right. this. King that's Saul. That's the hard part. Yeah. That's, where, <laughs> that's, the, that's where people, that's get, where people get it wrong. Yeah. That's where they get it wrong. Yeah. They want to say, I can only honor you if you're doing the right thing. That's not right. what the scripture right. said. Right. The Bible did not say honor only those who are doing the right, right. the right thing. King Saul was completely out of character, but still God told David, you honor him because he's still what? My anointed one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us, whoever God allowed to be in power, me as a believer, I don't have no choice. Mm-hmm. I don't have to lack the president. I must honor him. I don't have to lack my mayor. I must honor him. I don't have to lack my police officers, but I have to honor them. Yes. I do a lot of work with them. I honor them. Some of them, I don't have to agree with what with, with uh, what they do, but I mm-hmm. honor their position because that's what God yeah. has taught us. 
to do. And the good news is God is still in complete control. He directs the king's heart like yeah. a water course, as it says in Proverbs. And so I think there has to be, ultimately, people can feel like, how would you support? Like I shared a legislation recently that President Trump had passed, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was incredible that a righteous legislation passed. And so mm-hmm. I was celebrating it. And oh, man, <laughs> did I hear back? Because, oh, you must love Trump. I'm like, I'm sharing a legislation, you know, (laughs) but there is this, but you still, there's something to honor, you know, uh, because God has commanded us to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. I really appreciate that. So there are two main ideas today regarding the racism black Americans still experience personal responsibility. We've talked, touched on it some where each person needs to take responsibility, education, employment, and family life, the father's influence. And then there's systemic racism, where racism racism is a part of our culture. So I think the problem with these two solutions is that they are void of the gospel and trying to oversimplify the situation. They don't deal with the real problem. Broad brush strokes again. Uh, I, Candace Owens, I had shared some things that she had put out there that I thought were really good. Uh, And some people got angry at that because it's one perspective. And so what do you think the solution is? The, uh, I don't think I have the answer, but okay, let let me say this. I think, no, I know for a fact, um, the church has to be the entity that brings about the transformation. Mm. I truly believe that because Jesus clearly said, when his disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. Our Father, what in heaven, I will be thy name. And then he goes into the next. What's the next? Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom come. come. Mm-hmm. Thy, thy will be done. Come. Where? On, On earth. As? It is in heaven. Exactly right. So clearly, at the get-go, how do you pray? God is everything. you got to respect God first. got to honor God first. That's the most important thing. Before you do anything, respect God. Yeah. The second thing is you want the government of when you every time you hear Jesus refer to kingdom, what he's saying is government. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want the government of heaven mm. to come here. Amen. So the only agent or, or entity that God say I'm going to establish my government upon is the church. Mm-hmm. So we are counterculture, not in a sense of boycotting the culture, but in a sense of influencing the culture. Yes. So the church is supposed to be the mirror of what the culture looks like. But guess what we are now? The world is the mirror of what the church looks mm-hmm. like. Yes. That's where we have gone wrong. Yep. Yeah. That's where we have messed up. So we need to go back to get the church in the place of creating and and guiding and influencing the culture. I don't care. There will never be a legislation that can resolve racism. There will never be a legislation that can establish a relationship between black and white. Never. Mm. Can't force. Never. Mm -hmm. Personally, the the, the system that we have in place, the only way to to, uh, eradicate, to eradicate one system is to do what? To bring another system in. New system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, one, the other system that we know is the kingdom of God system. That's the system we need to bring to implement into the system. So when I see the people of God trying to fix a worldly system, yes. I have a problem. <laughs> That's it right there. Well, you know, uh, the problem of racism cannot be swept away with legislation. 
or the removal of police force. It's a spiritual matter. Again, we could come back to that. And the problem of racism seems so big and so ingrained in the culture that it feels like it is insurmountable, but the gospel breaks through man's institutions and prejudices, and we are all on equal footing. And so I was looking at John Piper's book here, and a couple things he said I thought might be helpful as churches consider how can they be a part of this solution you know, are there things we could do? And it's not a program, it's the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying, we need to be, and we, I've seen prayer vigils happening as well. But um, Christ commanded us to love one another, all races. And John Piper said, the gospel is not an ideology. It does not come in as one idea alongside some others and make its contribution. The good news that God sent his son Jesus into the world to die in the place of sinners and bear their punishment and become their perfect righteousness and absorb the wrath of God and set us right with him through faith alone and rise from the dead triumphant over every foe. That gospel does not come as an ideology, but as supernatural power. And that's really what we're needing right now more than anything else. I mean, these are good conversations to have so we can understand, you know, how to rightly understand this and how to affect it. Um, So how should we respond to protesters? How do we, what can we do as Christians? Okay, this is what I did. I can only tell you what I did. (laughs) Right? Yes. Okay. All right, this is what I did. Um, I was sitting at home about three or four weeks ago and watched the protest going on. And then one day, I just happened to flip on my Facebook and I saw there was a protest in this because this particular kid I coached soccer before, she shared a, uh, a live video of a protest going on on Main Street. And I saw that because <laughs> I was telling my wife, I said, if I ever, if I ever seen a protest, I'm going to go to it. She didn't want to say, no, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and uh, so I just told her, say, I'm going into town. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so left and I went to the protest. This was my idea. I, I truly, truly, in my heart, I've embraced this community. Truly, I feel like it's my community. And that's why if you've seen the sign, Psalm 91, our church put them up. And uh, Because I really believe that we are gatekeeper in this community. I want mm. other people to join us, but because I really believe that. So we've been praying for this for this community. We put the signs up, and every time I drive past one of them, I pray for whatever. So they're, they're very important and meaningful for us. So when I heard about the process, I'm going there because I, I don't want to see the city burn down. It's not happening. And I went. Mm. So when I went there, I just walked. I would walk. First of all, I drove with them. I drove next to them. I'm like, oh, man, do I have to walk? No, God, I don't want to do it. <laughs> they came around. So I went ahead, parked, I parked my truck, got out, and I walked with them. So as I, as I was standing at the corner of Man and Davis, I'm standing there. One of the gentlemen who was leading, I know him, uh, came toward me. Uh, we are chatting. And he said, hey, we want to go and congregate here and do on, at the corner of Maine and Davis. Traffic was getting a little busier. And then I kind of backed up and I said, hey, you know what? I think it would be better. How about we just march a little bit more to go down to the love sign? I think it would have a wow. better picture if we go to the love sign. He was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. 
So we marked them, we jumped, we got everybody. They were gonna just block the streets right there. Mm-hmm. And the police were, were, they were gonna be fun with whatever they were gonna, we were gonna do. I'm like, man, let's just take this party down there and have, and then we went down to Love Sign and they were doing their thing and they were talking and talking and talking. And I, I would just stand by praying. I said, my job, I'm here to pray. Amen. If something's not happen, it ain't happening today because God will protect this place. Mm-hmm. And that gentleman came to me and said, where are your friends? He was kind of mad. Where are your pastor's friends here? No? Where are they now? I said, well, I'm here. I'm here. I, can't, I cannot answer for anybody else. I said, but I'm here. And so we went on and went on. At the end of it, they, they were like just about to walk. Tim Chilton came and said, Hey, man, hey guys, can you, is it okay if, you, if I let uh, my friend Pastor Eric to pray for you guys? Mm. That gave me an opportunity. There you have it. And then I stepped in and I prayed mm. for them. And right before I pray, after I, I kind of talk a little bit, right before I pray, I said, I just feel like we all need to bow down and just kneel for a minute. There's a picture floating on Facebook on that. Oh, wow. Everybody went on their knees in front of the love sign. It's beautiful. And we prayed. Mm. And then we were left. So how am I dealing with the protest? Same thing. This, the one that took place in uh, Yellow Meadow Park. Mm. The, the Thursday before that Saturday, I called a meeting with 22 pastors. We met at the sports complex. And I said, guys, this is what's going on. I want to do this prayer event. There's also this march. We all kind of agree. I said, oh, but, and I challenged them. I said, we are gatekeepers. We, know, we, we have to decide what we're going to let happen in our community. Mm. I believe the church has the power. Yes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Almost all of them showed up. Mm. We showed up at the park. There's another picture that took place. When we were at Yellow Metal Park on a Saturday, right before we start, I called all the pastors. I went around, got to find them in the crowd. And I said, come on, guys, we need to pray. We went close toward the creek, away from the gazebo. We said, come here, let's pray. Because I believe the only solution to this protest and these marches is prayer. Yeah. So I said, come here. Music was going on. People were doing their thing. And we came around here and we started praying. Pray. And during that moment, they stopped the music, and I'm not exaggerating, the whole crowd came all around us wow. while we're praying. Mm. I just have happened to pray. There were like four or five pastors prayer. I just happened to, to pray the last prayer. And I didn't realize I was going to be the last one praying because after I said amen, <laughs> the whole thing erupted in people clapping. It was insane. Wow. Mm. We marched with them, and I told the pastors, our job, we're going to walk alongside them on the outskirts, outside them. Mm. We're going to be praying. For the entire time we marched, we were praying, and we came back. So how do we answer to this protest? I believe the church has to take a stand. Instead of people being... I don't want to go march because I don't don't believe in protest. I don't believe in marches. But guess what? I believe in prayer. Mm. We went there is to pray. We went there is to cover our community. We went there to say this community is not going to go up in flame as long as pastors are, are in this in this community. Mm-hmm. That's what other communities need to do. Yeah. That's why we have to be able to to stand up. The church has to stand up. Now some other pastors they got some, you know, emails because they attended. The event and blah blah to me it's very disappointing. Mm. We went to the event because we believe in the march, 
I don't even believe in whether Black Lives Matter or right. 2A. That's not why I went there. Like, I'm, I'm very clear about that. I went there to pray, period. It's prayer that, that matters. It isn't, you know, I'm supporting this organization or that organization. It's missing the point. Yeah, it is to me, I think, if we engage in any other form, we are going to get into a circle. We're going to go back to the same yeah. spot. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I have to be very... Um, honest in the fact that there are some real pain mm-hmm. and struggle people have been affected on 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 both sides and mostly there are a lot of uh, African American who are dealing with some serious hurt and so mm-hmm. on so we truly need to be sensitive to that mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean we we, we kind of uh, accept or endorse but at least be right. sensitive to the pain of another. Paul clearly said, if one body, if, if one body part, we are all one body. Mm-hmm. If one body part suffer, we yes. all suffer with it. Yes. So if my black uh, brother is suffering, I must feel the pain because yes. it's my body. Mm-hmm. If I truly believe in that. So I need to be sympathetic mm-hmm. to the pain and not say, get over with. Right. Just get over it. Suck wow. it up. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> that wouldn't work. You see what I'm saying? So it's a little bit of, uh, we got to be sensitive toward, toward each other. Some of this pain, they are, to them it's real. Oh, Into yeah. their world. It's almost like some, somebody dealing with depression. Their world is this. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say to someone in that state, get over it or deal with it. No, no. no. we got to be, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is what they're seeing, that their, their reality but we need to love them through that, and hopefully, by God's grace, they can see the love of God on across mm-hmm. on the other side. If anything is accomplished, I mean, in this, there there needs to be that they are seeing, you know. That, yes. And I think that yeah. and understood, and the understanding is what I think is hard to get to. Do y'all have any other final thoughts? Anything you'd like to share? For me, I'll, I'll say this. Um, it's a journey and uh, the reconciliation um, it, to me I look at it as we continue to be sanctified that means we have to continue to work on being reconciled Yes. we will never gonna arrive as long as we live on this of eternity we gotta continue to work on it and it's a work that will never stop that means we need to start teaching it on a regular base. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I just want to thank you for coming. Yes. I think one of the things that make you a really good solution, because Jesus is in you and you are the solution mm-hmm. to this problem, is that you know who you are, you know whose you are, and you operate from that. And Mm -hmm. I think we're all trying to figure out what we should do. But I truly believe that we are each individually made to be one piece of the answer. We are all one piece of the solution. So as long as you know who the Lord is and as long as you know who you are in him, then then the answer is going to come. Amen. So would you say for white people listening today, what is a part of the solution that they can have? Uh, two things. One is don't feel guilty mm-hmm. of something that personally I, I would say you did not do. Right. Second is be vocal. Don't be silent. Mm-hmm. You have to stand up 
and speak against any any type of prejudice that you see. And you also need to be made aware of the fact that you may have stereotypes, the other person has them too. Let's give each other grace. Amen. The grace card, which we've been talking about. Wow. So wonderful. Thank you for being here and discussing a tough topic. We will continue this discussion with different interviews this month as we meet other members of the Seeing Deep ministry team and discuss the root sins of this problem and solutions, the shame behind racism, and what it means to be one race. The raw truth is that we need a louder protest. The gospel is the cure for racism and prayer. The radical graces, as we all received grace, may we also give grace to every race. And the real hope is as we learn to pursue ethnic harmony from a biblical perspective and to relate to real people different from ourselves, we take part in the bloodline of Jesus that is comprised of every tongue, tribe, and nation. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 